This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. Hello, dear listener. This is Ian Lee from BBC Three Counties Radio. You've downloaded my podcast. I hope you meant to. Well, even if you didn't, it still counts towards the figure. So thanks very much for that. Just a little bit of inside information about me. I'm 40 years old. I was born in Slough and my birthday is June the 9th, 1973. I'm on weekday mornings between 6 and 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. These are the best bits. Coming up this week, a bit of this. Are you naked? Yes. Oh, now? Yes. Oh, is it there? What's all there? Oh, no, really? A bit of this. There are parents out there who'll be coming to this hospital. That's not good enough to say you're going to be issuing a statement. Why don't you tell them what you're going to do? I mean, I deeply regret having to take this action. But if we have... I don't know what action you're taking. That's the thing. T- just tell us what you're going to be doing. And a little bit of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of a soap opera. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. We're recording the links for the prod card outside today because it's such a nice day. This was the suggestion of Kelly Betts. It's a good suggestion. Catherine Boyle's here. I'm dubious. Now, Catherine, this week you said something really stupid. (laughs) Just this week? Well, this week you said something really, really stupid. What was that then? Do you remember? Uh, (laughs) no. Should we have a listen and find out? Oh, no! Are you going anywhere nice for your holidays, Catherine? No, I've already been. So I'm stuck. This is, now you see, this is the thing. The, the people who have their holidays early on in the summer, oh, I'm going on my holiday before <laughs> everybody else. Yeah, well, that means that when we go on our holiday later, you are jealous. I'm not going on a holiday for another four weeks. Oh, but you've got that look to look forward to. I've got that look to look forward to, you're correct. <laughs> and I'm gonna that be holiday aw- look. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be away for two weeks. Oh, good for you. And I'm going to travel on an aeroplane. There's a survey out today that, that says the most irritating thing on aeroplanes is kids kicking the back of seats and kids crying. I don't no. buy the kids crying thing. I never have done, and now I'm a parent, I certainly don't. No, kids... it's a relief when they cry because it's not yours. Exactly. Kids going to cry, kids going to cry, I don't care. I don't mind at all. But Catherine, what annoys you on an aeroplane? People who don't do as they're told. Really? Yeah. So it's not the um, lack of oxygen on the ground of aeroplanes? <laughs> That's all encompassing. But well, right. Explain, explain, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Catherine, explain what you said this morning. A woman on my recent flight to Georgia um, refused to do as she was told repeatedly, and it culminated in her putting her baby on the floor to sleep in this sort of carry cot thing. And she was told, please pick that, pick that baby up, madam. The air is thinner on the floor, and you're putting your baby in danger. You said there was no oxygen on the floor of aeroplanes... <laughs> And you believed it. That is complete nonsense. There is equal oxygen all through an aeroplane. Well, why do you think they were saying to move the baby then? Because she was making a mess? Just because she was. you don't want a baby on the floor. Or, or do you think she was just winding them up and they thought, let's just be strict with her? We're going to put this out to her. Can we get, uh, Kelly, Kelly Betts, can we get today on the show an, aer- an aviation expert today to find out the simple question, and any listeners who can answer this, is there less oxygen on the ground of an aeroplane than there is on there the top be, of... There must be, right? Because you wouldn't sleep in an aeroplane chair if you could help it, could you? Would you? We'd all be sleeping on the floor. That makes literally no <laughs> sense whatsoever. <laughs> Catherine Boyle, the uh, esteemed newsreader here at BBC Three Counties Radio. One of, one of the many newsreaders. I would say she's definitely in the top five newsreaders. Definitely top ten. I think we can all agree on that. Newsreaders here at BBC Three Counties Radio. She came up with some complete nonsense that uh, there is no oxygen on the floor of an aeroplane. 
That can't be true. Well, Justin Dealey joins me now. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. I'm live at Luton Airport. We're going to try and get an answer on this straight away for you. With me now is Peter Thompson. Peter, you worked at British Aerospace for 31 years. Is it true there's no oxygen on the floor of an aeroplane, or is that absolute nonsense? I'd say it's absolute nonsense. I'm not a systems engineer, but... Uh, I can see no logical reason for it. If the cabin pressurisation is doing its uh, system is doing its job properly, that should certainly not be the case. It may very well be warmer uh, under the ceiling of, of the cabin than it is on the floor because hot air rises. But pressurisation-wise, there shouldn't be any difference. There shouldn't be any difference in the oxygen levels, in my opinion. But uh, I'd welcome comment from a, an aerospace systems engineer who specialises on on uh, commercial airliners. There you go, Ian. Job done. It's absolute nonsense. And Peter wearing a lovely check shirt like you this morning. Well, there Justin, you if, you, if you do come across an aerospace uh, industrial engineer, then please <laughs> ask him that question. But thank your guests very much, Justin. We, we have shamed Catherine Boyle, mm. and I'm expecting, after 6.30, an on, uh, a full on-air apology from her. Oh, absolutely. Justin, thank you very much. You see, we could only do that because of the unique way that Justin Dealey is funded. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at 7. Go on. No. Go on. I'm reporting what I heard. Uh, oh, oh, hang on a second. If we reported everything we heard, well, you the, the kind of nonsense... Well, actually, we do... I'll be telling you the truth. Yeah. So, what? I was sitting in the, the no, uh, behind this woman who I, repeatedly failed to do what she was told. I, d- I don't want... And then... I don't... Oh. The air host, steward, bloke, told her that if she didn't take the baby off the floor, it was very dangerous for the baby yes. because the, he said uh, the air was thinner. No. Can what? I just refer you to a document I found online? <laughs> So you really are clutching at straws. Go on, then. This is from Virgin. I wasn't travelling with Virgin, but yeah. Virgin say it too. For your baby's safety, we don't allow them to be placed on the cabin floor. Well, that's so that people don't trip over them. Well, now, is it, though? You, you're making yes, assumptions there. It is. Now, what you said to Paul Scoynes... And, and I'm, I've got another two and a half hours, baby. I can follow this all the way through <laughs> to nine o'clock. You said in the office that on the floor of aeroplanes there is no oxygen. They said the air was thinner. You that's said, what they you said. You said... <laughs> apologize. I never said it. Oh, you did. Why would I say it? Because you're a I have Muppet. no interest in aviation. Apologize. Are you going? Are you walking out? No. Good, apologise. Um, what for? Oh. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. What earth were you thinking? Of course there's oxygen on the bottom of aeroplanes. I think that still remains to be shown. Science has proven it. We who's the scientist? Uh, I'm not quite sure. You bring me someone with a degree, we'll talk. <laughs> So, you're listening to the best of Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Shut up, Dealey, I'm trying to do the links. I'm doing the links for the podcast. Uh, have a listen to this. Dennis is in Dunsmore. Morning, Dennis. Good morning, Ian. Dennis, how are you keeping cool in this offensive I've, heat? I've fitted um, overhead fans in the bedrooms and in the lounge. And so I just switched them on and I'm lying here. If you, if you get them running very fast, you can't get off the bed. The, the, the air pressure keeps you down? Yes. Are you... Can I ask you a personal question, Dennis? Certainly. Are you naked? Yes. Oh, now? Yes. Oh! Is it there? Well, it's all there. Oh, no, really? Well, listen, listen if, you, if you do the same thing as you said you did last night... Sorry? ...you could leave all the windows and doors open because any burglar that came in, take one look at you, six, six foot six of nakedness and run a mile. Oh, you're so romantic, Dennis. <laughs> I, don't, I, I genuinely don't approve of people sleeping naked. I, li- I, I, I tried my pyjama bottoms on last night, but they were too hot, so I had to strip down to my pants. 
Yes, well, that's not bad. Yeah. Did you fit those fans yourself? Certainly. Is there not a chance that um, you may have fitted them incorrectly and one no. day you might come home and find Mrs Dennis decapitated? No, no, no. Wind, uh, wind might not have a head when you no, pop back. they're fitted with lights and you can, in, the, in the winter when the, uh, your warm air is rising from uh, your radiators, you can reverse these and it blows the warm air down again. <laughs> Hang on a minute. What, you can reverse the fan so it goes yes. the other way? Yes. That doesn't... That doesn't change anything, does it? It blows the warm air back down to you. But by changing the direction of the fan... Yeah, it keeps it circulating. It doesn't just go up there. So. No, hang on a second, Dennis. Yeah. When you do a fan backwards, it yeah. just does the same thing as when it goes forwards, when doesn't it? Sucks, one sucks and it blows, yeah. You try it. I don't I think... Mean, you, if, if you get into an aircraft and you spin the... the um, fans at the front of the wing. <laughs> the if fans. you reverse them, it'd <laughs> blow you backwards. Hang on, you're telling me, if I got on an aeroplane with propellers, yes. if they go one way, if they go clockwise, you go forwards, it, if they go anti-clockwise, you reverse. If you push you backwards. Dennis in Dunstable, thank you very much. Is that... Uh, one of us, one of us is an idiot. It's either Dennis, or it's me. <laughs> Dave in Luton. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Ian. You heard my conversation there with Dennis about um, fans and rotors... Yeah. And Dennis said that the, if the propellers on a plane go clockwise, you go forwards. If they yeah. go anti-clockwise, the plane reverses. Yeah. Is that true? When you're coming in to land, yeah. the pilot puts it on reverse thrust, doesn't he? Well, well no, OK. Well, hold on. He puts the so brakes the on. Plane, so what, no, what, the plane's coming in about 80 mile an hour. Planes go even, f- not even faster. The planes come down that runway. Planes go faster than 80 miles an hour, don't they? Well, what do you think? You've got a foot brake. Well, yeah, well... Uh, no, well, you think you've got a foot brake. So when you're coming in to land, that plane's doing at 80 miles okay. an hour, even what, 100. What oh, you're no, talking... Uh, so, when, so when he hits the runway, yes. he, the brakes automatically go on. Yeah, it puts the brakes the, on. The, the fan that's taking you upwards automatically reverses. Right. Now you're, talking, reverse, now you're talking nonsense, right. because, Dave, the, the, no. the aeroplanes don't have fans. No, no, reverse. What, what you're thinking of... Now, let me get a word in edgewise, please. What you're thinking of, Dave, is you're thinking of the modern jet airliner. What they do is they, they blow out of the back of the engines, and that pushes you forwards, and then when they want to slow down, they blow a little bit out of the front of the engines, and that, that slows you down, OK? No, no, but... The, the propellers, they just slow the propellers down a bit. no. When they fans are going around, there's two sets. They're of propellers. Fans. Come on, for, you're calling them fans for goodness sakes. All right. Okay, propellers. Yes, they're going. They're going forward, clockwise to take you off. When you're coming in, take you off. They go mate. backwards to take no. air in to stop you. They just slow down a little bit. It's, it's thrust reverse thrust. Ask a pilot. Well, I, I, I would like to. I'd like to ask a pilot over Dave in Luton. Help! Is there a pilot around? <laughs> Can anybody fly this plane? Dave, thank you. Is there a pilot around? This morning we're talking about sports that aren't really sports. Non-sports is what I'm calling them. Golf, it's not a sport. How can it be a sport when you walk around or get driven in an electric buggy and your tools are carried around by someone who earns, like, 0.1% what you earn? Motor race it. Dri- How can driving be a sport? In that case, I'm one of the world's best athletes. Cricket is not a sport. Well, Jeff Doyle is uh, our sports correspondent uh, from BBC Three Counties Radio. He joins me now. Jeff, I've got a point, haven't I? You, of course, you don't have a point. Sorry. What are you calling a sport then? So, what, in your eyes, is a sport? Football. That's the only one. 
Though there are others. Come Foot, on. Right, football is definitely a sport because there are men in shorts running around. It's finished in, in 90 minutes, okay? okay? So that. We'd agree that's a sport, yes? <laughs> yes, I'd agree that's a sport, yeah. Basketball. Basketball's a sport, netball's not a sport. Why, why is netball not a sport? Oh, for goodness sakes, yeah, they look cute, but basically, they've got those tabards on with GK and CG, and they just stand there. There's no running around in netball, not a sport. Listen, have you looked up the definition of sport? I don't need to. I'm a human being, Geoffrey. I know what sports are. It's an activity involving physical exertion and Good. skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others. Now then, what do you reckon? In golf... Yep. I've had a look at this. Yep. A golf swing uses 17 muscle groups. Oh, for goodness sakes. Coordinated movement of the hands, wrists, arms, abdomen and legs. Listen, I, I know something else that uses all of those same skills as well. That's not considered a sport. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if you had a go at golf, you'd see how difficult it was. Oh, it, it, it's not that difficult. I've, listen, I've played crazy golf in Zakynthos. It's, it's easy. <laughs> it's the same principle. <laughs> You've seen the size of these guys now. You look at Tiger Woods and how his, his muscle range. I mean, he is a big guy now. They are, they are getting fit, these boys, because they have to be. Yeah, we know how Tiger Woods is getting fit. Uh, <laughs> listen, tennis. It, it's men and women in, in shorts or short skirts that bl- uh, hitting a ball. That's a sport. That's a sport. Snooker, surprisingly, that's a sport. Why is that a sport? I don't understand why you think that's a sport. Oh, you're saying it's not a sport? I didn't say that. I'm saying, why do you think it's not a sport? Because it is men, and it is men. You do not get women's sports uh, snooker players. And is it? I, I'm about to say something that I think is really might be really sexist. But someone someone told me at school, and I've always um, I've always believed this, and I'm, I'm going to say it. And now I don't think it's true that women aren't as good at snooker because of their um, their chest. Their chest gets in the way. Oh, that'd be ridiculous. Is that not true? <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm Richmond lied to me all those years ago. Uh, so that's a sport. Darts is a sport. And darts, and you think darts is a sport? Yes, I do. Because well, the dart, you wouldn't say it was a sport. Well, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm Jeez. trying to work out your logic. I'm just, hang, let me one second. I'm just going to send an email to uh, the boss, dear boss. <laughs> you have hired a pup with this. Let's get more work for Luke. Right? Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, listen, Jeff. You, 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 okay. Here's one, and you will agree with me on this. You cannot disagree. Cricket is not a sport. You've got to be joking. Oh, listen, I'll tell you why. It goes on for four days. They wear jumpers. They're fat old men that puff on pipes. They stop for sandwiches. (laughs) How is that sporting? I tell you what, you you, you speak to those fast bowlers and see what they're like come the end of their careers and what that... When they pound in and do that bowling and what the the amount of pressure that goes into their back and arms, whatever, they come out and their knees... Uh, they're, they're, they're physical wrecks afterwards. You can't, you can't just define something by a sport just because of the amount of pressure on someone's knees, Jeff. <laughs> physical work it is for them. That's, that's physical work. That cricket, you, you, if you're, when you're in the field, you're running around, you're diving, you're catching, you're running, you're fielding. When I was at school, when I was at school, they would, mm. if you were rubbish at batting and bowling, you got to field, like, really far out. Is that the same for the England team? <laughs> Is that how it works? Well, there are some specialist fielding positions, yeah. So you will get some of those guys who aren't the best catchers out in the deep. Here's a sport. That's how it's known. Here's a sport. Bowls. Bowls. The skill... There is nothing more enjoyable than on a Tuesday afternoon watching bowls. <laughs> it's good, though. It's good. It's skillful, isn't it? Well, it's skillful. It's the same. It's all, of the, all of the sports you've mentioned so far are all skillful. We, me, you, uh-huh. and the rest of everybody listening wouldn't be able to compete against the guys who are professional. Well, listen, you're, no disrespect, Jeff. you're a tiny fella that wears sandals with, with suits, <laughs> so it would be impossible for you. On, on a final note, yeah. you've, uh, you've been very gentlemanly and not mentioned the fact that I owe you five quid. 
Well, I, I, you know, I don't like people welching on bets. Well, no. so I didn't. I didn't think I would bring it up. No, but, but listen, bring. It, I, I, I'm not paying you, and I will pay you. I'm not paying you. But for those who don't know, I had a bet with uh, Jeff Doyle, and everyone laughed at me at the time. I said uh, that Jersey, the Polish giant, would thrash um, uh, Andy. What's his name? Andy Murray. <laughs> Yes, I did say Andy Hemman. I thought, no, that's not right. Uh, Tim Hemman, remember that loser. Uh, the, the, the Polish giant would thrash Andy Murray in the semi-final of Wimbledon. Boy, was I wrong. We bet £5 pounds on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the, the laws are, I don't need to give you that money until you ask for that money. Right, well, the next time I see you, yeah. I'm going to come up and ask for my £5. Are money. you in today? I am, but I'm in a bit later, you see. Oh. We kind of cross over, don't we? Because I'll tell you where I'm going today. Yeah. I'm going to Marlow Rowing Club to watch Wickham Wanderers do a bit of training down there. Now, Wickham Wanderers, what's, what's that? <laughs> that is football. That's, that's, that's Football's sport a sport. You think it's a sport. Rowing's not a sport, is it? You've got to be joking. Rowing, you go and have a row. Bye-bye, <laughs> <laughs> I think he got angry. BBC Three Counties Radio. I think he got angry. Luckily, he will be wearing sandals so I could outrun him. Jeff Doyle, thank you for coming on. You're an excellent sport. He's a sport. You see what I did there? Do you see what I did there? This week, I learnt the power of this chord. Jing! Or you could actually play the chord in there instead of me singing it. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. It's powerful, isn't it? Have a listen. Jing! Again, you could just play the chord. Put the chord in, yeah. yeah. Okay, nice one. It works for everything. Except for Catherine Boyle. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at seven. Should we play with my new toy? Go on then. Okay, right. Hang on a minute. What's your new toy? <laughs> <laughs> Should no. have asked that first. No, it's not that one. Don't worry. I've, I've left that in the car. No. So, right. Oh, oh, Catherine. I don't know if you've heard. Right. You mustn't say anything though. Right. Okay. Right, it's, uh, uh, you can say what. I don't know if you've heard. What? what? Uh, Catherine. I don't know if you've heard. What? The butler's dead. Oh, that's lovely. If I could raise just one eyebrow, I would have done it then. Go on, you, you try one. You do one. Ian? Yes? I have nothing to say. Why? Oh, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't work for you. Hang on. Let me, try, let me try another one. Let me try another one. Okay. Oh, my God, Catherine! What's the matter? You two have split up! <laughs> go, on, go on, you try one. Um, okay. Ian? What? I bought a Westlife single. Uh, it, 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 sorry, Catherine, you've broken it. It's not working for you. Oh. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to move on. Sorry about that. Really, um, really disappointing. Very poor. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Acting Chief Executive of Bedford Hospital, Stephen Conroy. Stephen, is it true that the number of staff required to teach trainees was inadequate? And if so, why? Um, well, the dean has said that the supervision of trainees wasn't good enough, and supervision means that trainees might be left on their own uh, you know, in outpatients so they don't have a consultant next to them for, for advice. Uh, or why, why wasn't it adequate? Why didn't you get more people in? Well, I didn't say it wasn't adequate. I just said, said that they were the concern. So it's not necessarily about the number of consultants, but it's the way they respond. So I don't think we have a problem with the number of consultants. So the number of consultants is absolutely fine. You're happy with that? Um, we've, it, up until now, we've had enough consultants to run the service effectively with the trainees that were in place. The trainees don't feel there is enough, though, do they? I think it's more about the quality of the supervision and training that they, they've made complaints about, not necessarily the, the numbers. So what's, what's wrong with the quality? Um, well, you, you said it goes back over a number of years, and I think it probably do, it does go back. I wasn't around, you know, 
for all of that length of time. Um, but I've spoken to the dean, and he says that they have worked with us, we've worked with them, we've put resources in, we've put plans in, and we have improved education training. Um, but it has more recently uh, slipped back, uh, and that reached a crisis point in April uh, when uh, more than one trainee uh, raised concerns uh, about supervision and the fact that if they weren't properly supervised, if they're left on their own to make decisions about patients, that could lead to uh, patient safety concerns. But so, so why wasn't anything done then with, with regards to these, these claims? Why were uh, trainees told they were being emotional? Uh, we did put an action plan uh, in place immediately, speaking to the deanery. They, they told us that uh, effectively they put us on special measures from the 1st of May. Uh, what do special measures mean? Well, that they required that we had a, a, a number of hours of consultant presence. The medical director was on call. Uh, if the trainees wanted to speak to the medical director directly rather than go to their line manager, uh, a number of things that the dean required that we put in place from the 1st of May. And it looked up until a couple of weeks ago as though that, that was all working and we were going to maintain the trainees from September. And then, unfortunately, about two weeks ago, uh, one of our consultants failed to respond to, to an urgent call out, you know, to respond to uh, trainees' requirements in the evening for, for advice. A consultant failed to return to a, a, an urgent call out? He failed to respond on, on the telephone, which is what was required. That's pretty worrying, an urgent call out. That is, that is worrying and that, that means that patient safety could be at risk. Now in that case, no patient harm uh, ca came to be. No harm came to be, but was someone uh, potentially at risk? I would imagine they would be if, if uh, the call wasn't answered. It's a level of unacceptable risk that we can't stand. We, we have since... So a patient was at risk? The, the patient could have been at risk. Uh, the consultant did respond uh, later, but they didn't respond within the required time. Why did they not respond within the required time? Um, that's something we're going to investigate. We, we've had to take uh, uh, you know, immediate action with that consultant. Uh, I can't say more than that, that because it's now a HR Will they be suspended? Um, they have been excluded. So, so a, a senior consultant has been suspended because they, they failed to answer a call? That's right. But obviously we have to go through a process, suspensions and neutral act. Uh, the East of England School of Paediatrics says trainees found it difficult and threatening to write reports and they were told they were being emotional. Um, well, I, I think it's obviously a, an environment where people feel stressed. There, there are, are events in the children's unit where there are sick children. People uh, shouldn't find it threatening to write reports and being told they're being emotional. Who would have said that? I've no idea. Would, I guess it would have been the, one of the clinical supervisors. They'll all, they're all be consultants who take care of, of the trainees. Uh, Why would they make it difficult for a trainee to express concern? We've seen so many horrible things happening in hospitals recently. Surely we want our medical teams to flag up potential problems, don't we? They, they, they were told they were being uh, difficult. It was difficult and threatening to write reports, and they were being emotional. So absolutely, it should never happen. And what I want to do is make sure we, we have a full external inquiry about this. I mean, it's very hard for me to know what went on with one or two individuals. But do you know who it was who said they were being emotional? Which of the trainees? I have no idea. We, 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 you, don't, you don't know who, who it was who told the trainees they were being emotional? Um, I, I would need to, to go and investigate that further. So you don't know the person who told them they were being emotional? I don't know the person who said that. I don't know if they used those words. Um, but we are going to make an inquiry. I mean, the, the, the question the board have asked is, is this about one individual who's, you know, whose now action has been taken? Is it a culture? Is it the same individual that's been suspended, do you think? I've just, yeah, that's what I've just said, yeah. So it's about... So it is, sorry, it is the same individual that's been suspended? Oh, no, sorry, in terms of the, the, the incident two weeks ago that, that led to suspension, whether that is the same individual who made comments about trainees being emotional, no idea. It sounds like bullying, doesn't it? It would be bullying, and it would be unacceptable. 
So say the board want me to find out, is this one individual? Is there a culture in the department? Is this something that happens with trainees across the hospital? Because we have over 100 trainees in our hospital in 16 different departments. Uh, so, so far we've heard that, that one senior consultant failed to answer an urgent response has been suspended. There is possibly a culture of bullying at the hospital. It's not brilliant, is it, for Bedford Hospital? How are you going to turn things around? Can you turn things around? I... Yes, I can turn things around. I mean, we, 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 I've spoken to the Dean. He's uh, agreed the terms of reference for an external review. Uh, we will look at this. I've spoken to about half the consultants last week. We don't believe there's a culture of bullying, but you have to have... Trainees don't want to come here, do they? It, it's, it's, it's been regarded as a good hospital, but not the best place to work, is something we heard earlier on. Why don't trainees want to come here? Um, well, we have had trainees come here in the past. We haven't had any problems in the past. If there's not a... recently. Yes, no, recently. We have a full complement of trainees at the moment, but that will be different from the end of the month. So I, I don't think there's a particular problem. But we know that the department is relatively small. It's the smallest paediatric department in the area. So it may well be that yeah, paediatricians, consultants, junior doctors find it more appealing to work in larger units. And we know that's a problem. We, we know the hospital is you know, it's not fully uh, 21st century. We've got to find a way of making that department bigger and more attractive. To Why have the statements been so vague recently? The statements we've had said so we're going to be making a statement soon. We'll be making a statement soon. Why don't you come out and say what's going to be happening to the paediatric unit? OK, so two weeks ago, um, you, you quoted a leaked letter. I received a letter from the Dean saying they're going to remove trainees immediately. Um, we then set up a process with surrounding hospitals and commissioners and health partners to look at all the all the options what we could do what could we do with the, with the doctors we had left in the department for the end of the month and how could we work with a number of other hospitals to reprovide services so any plans that we put in place have to be signed off with all those health agencies and that's taken much longer than, than it would be just doing it on our own is the paediatric unit going to close um, in the short term the paediatric unit will need to change we don't have enough doctors provided what does that mean change there will be changes to some of the planned elective work. There will be changes to some of the emergency work. What, do you mean, what, what changes? Be more specific. So I, I can't be more specific uh, right well, now. What do changes to the emergency work mean? What, you're, gonna, uh, be able, you're not going to have an emergency department on the paediatric unit? OK, so people have been working over the weekend on, on finalising the plans um, and we want to have good communication starting l uh, later today. By the end Why don't you have good communication starting now? Now is the perfect opportunity to tell people what's happening. Is the emergency unit for the paediatrics going to close? No. Is the paediatric unit going to close? So, sorry, well, it, say, it's going to change. So not, nothing's going to close. But what does that mean, change? How is it going to change? Uh, well, I'm going to be issuing a statement later today, probably the end of the day, to everybody. I need to talk, to, finally sign things off with partners. I need to talk to our own staff. Uh, and we'll be issuing very clear... There are parents out there. I'm a parent. My little boy's been in hospital recently. There are parents out there who'll be coming to this hospital who'll be booked in for, for operations and appointments in, in July, in August, September. That's not good enough to say you're going to be issuing a statement. Why don't you tell them what you're going to do? Okay, so I'd like to apologise for parents. I mean, I deeply regret having to take this action. Um, but if we we don't know what action you're taking. That's the thing. T just tell us what you're going to be doing. I'll be telling people later. I'm happy to come back on, on your programme tomorrow or later in the week and talk more fully about it. But we need to make sure that the communications are, are ready to go uh, and that if people phone up and want answers, that we've got phone lines that are open. So I will do, be doing this later today. Do you really think that's good enough? You're, you're sitting on the future of uh, potentially hundreds or thousands of children and their health care and you're going to talk to people a bit later on. Why don't you just say now what you're going to do? You know, our prime objective is to make sure we provide safe services for children. Will you be closing the paediatric unit? Uh, we're not closing anything at the moment. It's open. Will you be closing it in the long term? Uh, we need to, we're going to change things uh, from the end of the month. 
um, and then we need to take a review with the GP. So from the end of July, the paediatric unit is going to change significantly. Does that mean closing the unit? I, I said I'll be very clear about this later in the day. And I have you've to. shrugged your shoulders and you've not answered. So the implication I'm getting from that, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you're going to close that paediatric unit at the end of July. That's not what I said at all. We're, we're going to change things. But uh, what does that mean? That's really unfair and really frustrating and not fair for the parents and the kids involved. What does that mean? So I, so I apologise if I'm not being very clear at the moment. We, we have a plan to talk about communications. We'll be coming to people, uh, our own staff and patients first. Uh, and the You're going to close it, aren't you? We're going to make changes. This is entirely to do with... It. You're not denying you're going to close it. Well, I'm saying we can't run the service the way we're running it now with seven fewer doctors, with the number of doctors leaving. We have to make some changes from the end of July. MP I'm Richard Fuller says that unit must stay open. It, it must stay open. I, I am not responsible for the long-term future of services, commissioners, commission services. My job is to provide safe services. I'm going to ask you one more time. The implication I've picked up from this, and I'm sure that many of the listeners will pick up, you are going to close that paediatric unit at the end of July, is that correct? We're going to make change. There will be fewer services on this site from the end of July, and I'll come back and explain those fully uh, tomorrow if you want. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Why on earth would anybody want to holiday in the UK? I don't know if you've seen this report, uh, Justin. Tourism experts are predicting a big boost to the UK industry because of the hot weather. Yeah, I know. It, it can't last, can it? Most it of the can't. time our weather is rubbish. Yep. And if you, the thing about holidaying in the UK, a weekend, fr- go out on a Friday, come back on a Sunday afternoon or a Monday, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, I could do that. Wonderful. Yeah. Because a weekend is all you could spend anywhere in the UK. A week... Yeah, it's pushing it. You'd never have a fortnight holiday in the United Kingdom, would you? Can you imagine three weeks? Can you imagine three weeks uh, in this country? Oh, my goodness. Why? This, uh, this morning, I guarantee we will not get one person who can call up and go, Oi, hang on a second, Lee. You are talking out your backside. The UK is perfect for holidays. It's expensive. You can't trust the weather. The people are miserable. And there's only so many old castle ruins you can look at. Do you know what I have to say? Normally you're wrong, but on today's occasion, you are absolutely spot on. Rewind. Yeah, you you are right. Absolutely right. Rewind a little bit beyond that. Normally I'm wrong. Yeah, normally. No, I'm not. Yeah, normally you're kicking off and you're wrong. You never holiday in the UK. I can't imagine you in a caravan in Dorset. I just no, can't picture it. Not my cup of tea. In saying that, do you know what? It's sod's law, this. Do you remember back in June when you took a week off? I do remember, and yes. I normally go Wonderful. away in the UK for, for that week every year, yeah. but I thought to myself, this year I'm not going to bother because I've been for the last five years and all it's done is rain consistently all week. It's been freezing cold. I've not bothered. As it turns out, that week was absolutely glorious. That's a really, really boring anecdote. Yeah. Don't open with that <laughs> I'm one. Just saying, I'm just so, saying. Justin, you have been out speaking... <laughs> You've, you've been out speaking to people. What have they been saying? Yes, I've been talking to people about <laughs> holidaying in the UK. I think you're going to get on well with the tourism board later on, aren't you? They're oh, they're coming on, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for goodness oh, sakes. They're going to love you. So I've been asking people, would they prefer to holiday here in the UK or abroad? And uh, this is what people had to say. Yes. When was the last time you went away? Uh, last year. And where'd you go? Hunstanton with my granddaughter. So Hunstanton or I can sell you Ibiza. Which would you prefer? Hunstanton. Yeah. Why go to why pay why go to Ibiza when you can stay in England and have the same experience, better experience over here, I think. Madam, you're from Jamaica. You've got that infectious laugh, haven't you? Come on, let's hear it. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. Now, considering you're from Jamaica, we know about Jamaica, we know about the hot weather, the beautiful beaches. 
Can the UK really compare to somewhere like Jamaica when it comes to a holiday? Can it really compare? Let's be honest. No, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) So if somebody said to you, a week in Jamaica or a week in the New Forest, it will be Jamaica every time. I'd rather to be Jamaica every time. The weather, the fresh food. Gary, would you really want a holiday here in the UK? Uh, I do most of the time, yes. I'm just one of these people who can't be bothered going abroad. So when was the last time you went abroad then? 1986. 1986. And where was that? That was in Spain, Benidorm. Good time? Yeah, it was one of them things you do when you're young, you know what I mean? Lads all over there. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Lynn's in Hazelmere. Morning, Lynn. Morning. A lovely, cheap holiday in Spain or on a Greek island. It costs you a few quid. Nice, cheap hotel. Go out to some cheap tavernas. Wonderful food. Gorgeous food. Gorgeous sunshine. Friendly, warm, lovely people. Perfect, isn't it? No. Oh? I mean, not really. Oh. We've got some wonderful places in this country. You should be supporting our country, not going up to Spain and getting Spanish tummy. Really. We have got the most amazing places. And there's Chiltern Hills. We've got oh. wonderful, wonderful... Hills. Oh, you know, it's lovely here. I don't want to We've go to got... Hills for my holiday. Hills? That's not a holiday, that's work. Beaches. We're going to Wales next to sea for our, our holiday this year. When, when are you in going to Wales? No, Wales next to sea. Oh, Wales in next Norfolk. to sea. It's a lovely place. Yeah, and really what's... beautiful, lovely sandy beaches. What's the, what's the weather going to be like? You don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't. It, no, if you're on a beach, you don't want to be in the middle of a storm. Well, we don't have that many storms in this country in the summer. I mean, the odd one, but they yes. have them abroad as well. And when you have them in Spain, it really does rain. Oh, but, 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 Lynn, there's nothing better than being out in that warm Spanish rain. Oh, it's no. adorable. Not that cold, biting wind in Norfolk. Look, we're having a heat wave. Stop complaining. It's lovely here. But what are you going? How long are you going to go there for? Two weeks. Oh. Take my doggies. Have lovely long walks. <sighs> picnics on the on the sand dunes. Lovely. You haven't got kids, have you? I've got a nineteen-year-old. Okay, because because kids will be well bored. Two no, weeks in no, Norfolk. No, no, there's lots of things to do. There's nature reserves. You just get your kids interested in nature and things. For a second, I thought you said naturism. And I thought, <laughs> I don't no, want... no, no, no. Okay, so there's nature. So nature reserves. That's a morning. What, what are you going to do? No, that... That's a whole day. You can take a picnic. Oh. There's loads of things. A museum? Go to a museum? Well, you can do, but there's other things you can do as well. You know, I mean, when my son was little, we used to go um, pond dipping and things, and that's not skinny dipping. You know, um, and it's fabulous. Uh, Lynn, pools on the beach. You can spend hours on the beach. Lynn, thank you very much indeed. Lynn in Hazelmere is, is bigging up the British holiday. Shirley. Yes, Ian. Milton Keynes. Yeah. Imagine you and me, we get a cheap, easy jet all the way over to uh, Zakynthos, cost us about 35 quid each, get a cheap hotel, we drop our bags off, we nip down to the beach, get a fantastic milkshake in the evening, I'll take you to a lovely taverna, we get some fantastic cheap Greek food. Are you in? No. Oh. No, nothing on this earth would get me on an aeroplane. Sorry? No. no. Why? Uh, no. I've no desires whatsoever to fly. None at all. Why? What's wrong with flying? I mean, it's not very pleasant, but it's okay. No, it just doesn't interest me one little bit. Why? When was the last time a plane crashed? Oh, yeah, last week. Apart from that... I'm I'm not talking about plane crashes. I just don't want to fly, and that's all there is to it. You're like, were you Mr T or something? What's wrong with you? No. Get on that plane, fool. No, nothing's wrong with me. I can't afford holidays anyway. Oh, so where 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 are you going to go then? I'm not. I haven't had a holiday in five years. 
Oh, surely. And the last holiday I had was a coach holiday, which was absolutely fantastic. Oh. I made some brilliant friends, went to Eastbourne, and we went to some beautiful places, like Rye, went to Rye, and I spent a lovely morning in Rye Church, which is absolutely fantastic. But those those foreign churches, those churches on the continent, oh my God, the architecture I, is I dare say just they are, wonderful. I've, I've no desire to go abroad. Go on a boat. Get, go and get the hovercraft to, to Calais. I've, I've been, no, I've, I've been on a the boat. Hovercraft. I went to Germany when my son was in the army many years ago. Yeah. And went by train and boat. Right. And we had a lovely holiday there. But we, I mean, with my son. But, um... No, I mean, I, I can't afford holidays anymore. If you anyway. could afford it, Shirley, if you yeah. could afford it, if money wasn't an option, yeah. could I tempt you on a plane to Florida for a little bit of Disney World? No. Pirates of the Caribbean ride? No. We could go to New York and go up Fifth no. Avenue? Oh, no, I've no desire to go to America at all. Why? No, it doesn't interest me. America's the third no. best country in the world. I don't care. This country's the best. Okay, how about we go to Italy? Oh, the ice creams in Italy are amazing. Now, do you know, my favourite place is the Isle of Wight. Oh. I love the Isle of Wight. (sighs) When I was a little girl, we spent many holidays in the Isle of Wight. Yeah. Fantastic. And when when I I married and had my children, we spent holidays in the Isle of Wight. Beautiful, beautiful place. Shirley, thank you very much. I suggest... Just aim a little bit higher, Shirley. Jonathan Vernon-Smith presents the show after me between 9 and 12 on weekday mornings. He's good, isn't he, Kath? He's all right, yeah. I mean, when I say good, I'm... He's above average. Well? He's better than you. What? Um... Anyway, he comes in every morning at about 17 minutes past 8 to tell us what's coming up on his show. Don't worry, it's better than that. Well, have a cheeky listen to that. And then afterwards, you can hear a little slice of his show. The only reason I'm playing it is because we're, we're a bit short on the podcast this week. So, uh, the bit you're going to hear is Melvin, a caller, phoning up and telling JVS... He's a nazi. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, lovely to see you. Good morning. Nice to have you back in the studio yeah. in the flesh. In the f- it was nice being outside yesterday because it was, it, was, it was quite warm, quite pleasant doing an outside broadcast mm. from a glamorous car park. But, 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 but. What? It is too hot. No, don't, don't Where's God's it. thermostat? Let's just turn it down three degrees. <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> Silly. Can we? What's wrong with you? Come and sleep in my bed with me. No, really? Please. <laughs> and see... <laughs> And see how uncomfortable it is. <laughs> I was Haven't n- you got a fan? I don't know where it is. We've got one somewhere. I don't well, who's phone's that? For goodness sake, you're then unprepared. Got, then you've got... It was lovely. I had two night. fans on me last night. <laughs> <laughs> was, was one of them Melvin? <laughs> <laughs> you're a nazi! You are a nazi! It was... By the way, re, re, retweet it again, because it's the audio boo of Melvin yesterday phoning up JVS, who I've heard before. He gets very excited. He was super excited. He was very rude to me yesterday. He called you a nazi. He called me an unemployment-hating nazi. <laughs> this is a man who's... You know, my programme last, last year got him a new mattress, <laughs> a new washing machine, £500. I didn't know that. Yes! He phones up and calls me a bad, bad man. Yep. Says I'm an unemployment-hating <laughs> nazi. 
whatever that is. Some people thought he was calling me an un- unemployment hating Nancy. <laughs> it was it was wonderful because there was nothing you could do. He was just completely off on yeah. one, and you you tried to step in, and he, he had his facts wrong as well, which was which made it so great. What he was accusing you of was not true, which is always wonderful. But he's just I thought he was going to explode at one point. <laughs> he was just going higher and higher and louder. It'll be a big bang. And then and then of course that wonderful sound of the phone clicking down. Wonderful. You are not. You are causing a lot of hate crime again. You know, you hate spreading hatred. Melvin. You are spreading hatred against your unemployed again. Melvin. Listen, just get your facts right and tell us the truth instead of right-wing Tory propaganda. You're a Nazi. You are a true Nazi because you are causing so much hatred against your unemployed. It has got to stop. Listen to me. You will have to stop causing all this hate crime, Jonathan. You are a really bad man. You are a really bad man. Have you, have you calmed down? No, I'm, no, I'm not, because I'm furious. Well, because I can see. you've just been a Nazi. If you just... You're turning, you are making a, You are turning it into a hate crime. You are turning people... You're, making, you're turning things into so much hatred against the unemployed again. You do it every time. If it's not fat people... If it's not Melvin, mental illness people, Melvin, if you, Melvin, if you, really over the top, and it's got to stop. Melvin, facts right. It's not five hundred pound a week. A lot of people will only get two hundred if that. Of course, we're talking about a cap. Melvin. No, but you get your facts right. You've just been a Nazi. Listen to me, Melvin. You're against the unemployed again. Melvin. You are spreading hate crime. You are spread. I'm not talking to you. Melvin, anymore. calm yourself you down. You're making. You're making yourself sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of a soap opera. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every 11-year-old in England is to be ranked in order of ability, so as a parent, you'll know how your child is doing compared with other kids. It's part of new government proposals to raise standards in primary school. Well, someone who is uh, here to have her say on this now is Christine Hood, a retired teacher from Hertfordshire and former secretary of the county's branch of the National Union of Teachers. Uh, Good morning, Christine. What do you think about this? I think it's another harebrained idea for a government that's desperate, a government that's getting desperate. Why is it harebrained? Telling an 11-year-old that it's in the bottom 10%. I mean, I think it's absolutely condemning that child to permanent failure. I mean, I, I see it also is going to describe it as our children secondary ready. Well, what are you going to do with a child that is secondary not ready? Put it back round primary again. I mean, it's pathetic. Surely, if, if a child is told, look, you're, you're in the bottom 10%, that might inspire them to, to strive harder, wouldn't it? It might also switch them off completely. But it might it strive might... them to, to try hard, make them no. try harder. No, no. Think of it like um, sport. If you were continually last in the 100 metres, yep. would that continually inspire you to do better if it would, you just weren't suited to running? It would continually inspire me to try something different and find something that I was good at. Well, that's a good point. So being told Thanks. that you're bad at school might make you want to do be good at something else, like being a vandal. Being oh, a Chris, Christine. No, it might make you want to try being good at mechanics or plumbing or, or something else, not being a vandal. Old. Yeah. 11-year-old, what, knowing much about that, particularly if they're in the bottom 10%, come on. 
no, Christine, I can say the same to you. You come on, because I just think you're being a little bit negative about this. What's wrong with being told, actually, you're not very good at this, maybe you should try something else? I'm old enough to remember the 11 plus. So am I, I did it. And remembering what that did to people who failed. Yeah, it it put them into schools where they could achieve academically, or schools where perhaps it wasn't uh, academic. No, it condemned some of them to really rubbish secondary moderns where they were condemned forever, and some kids never really got over failing the 11 plus. Well, uh, Christine, many children did get over failing the 11 plus and many children went to secondary moderns and many children achieved fantastic things as a result of, of doing that but a very large number didn't bear in mind that it was only about 20 percent nationally that passed the 11 plus you condemned 80 percent to failure it, the, but the christine it wasn't a con- condemnation to failure it was a, it was a condemnation to a different style of teaching that was perhaps more and suitable a style of teaching that had infinitely less money spent on it you could almost say that the 20 percent who went to grammar schools had 80% of the money spent on them. Is that a fact? I don't know the exact... Well, then there you go. You can't... You can't... Don't start putting out percentages if you're just making them up. I know from the quality of the buildings, even something like that, secondary modern schools had far less spent on them for the building. The uh, secondary modern school near me, uh, Beechwood School, had uh, had a completely brand new building, whereas my grammar school... doesn't mean good quality. My my school, the Sir William Herschel Grammar School, we had to close it for a year because the roof was leaking and we went to... We went to but it was a combination of the two. Right. And the secondary modern half, you could hear what was going on in every classroom throughout the building because it didn't have proper soundproofing. Are you just upset because it might mean a little bit more work for you? No, it will mean more harm to poorer children because there's also a correlation between academic progress and socio-economic background. And your point is... My point is that it's yet again hitting the bottom layers of society. Come on, you've got to do better or else this, that and the other will happen. But but what's... Christine, there's nothing wrong with, with suggesting that people should do better, is there? There's nothing wrong, but if they haven't got the ability... I could have had training from Linford Christie. I still wouldn't have run, you know, a a nine-second hundred metres... I'd still have struggled um, because physically I'm not a, an athlete. Some people physically are not academic. Right. They haven't got the mental capacity. Right, so they should then therefore be encouraged to do other things that they yeah, are more suited to. They're a failure that they're not secondary ready well, is not encouraging them to do other things, it's, is it? I, I would suggest that any teacher or parent that says you are a failure is, uh, is, is failing themselves to communicate yeah. how they can use this information they're to benefit themselves. In the bottom 10%. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yes. But that's life, isn't I mean, it? Why don't we rank MPs? Why don't we rank BBC interviewers? You know, would you like to be told you're in the bottom 10% of interviewers? Uh, well, one, that's not true. And two... No, no it's not. But two, part like of, if you were told I that? would deal with it because it's life and part of my job is based on yeah, ranking. You're an adult. Part you're of my job... year old. Well, then why did you bring the point up, Christine, if you're not going to back it up? Part of my job is based on ranking in the, the, the a lot of my career, not so much here, but a lot of my career has been based on figures. Yes, so I am right. You're not an 11-year-old. But then why have you brought it up if, 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 it's, if you don't mean the point, Christine? Because the point is, we treat children differently. But you just asked, would I mind being ranked? Yeah, yeah. But why bring, it, why bring it up and then say, oh, but you're, you're not a child, it doesn't count? No, I'm saying that we treat children differently. Then why did you suggest I was ranked? to. Right, OK. But so your, your point about adults being ranked is irrelevant? No, it's just some adults would not like it because they're not very mature. An 11-year-old is not mature. But life is based on uh, how, what we achieve and, and how yeah, we are perceived. Yeah, yeah. but part of, 
human life is looking after the less able, not condemning so them. So what do you want to do? Do you, do you? But who's going to slag them off, Christine? I would suggest that you, if you're using language like that to tell the child, they've, there are better ways of phrasing you're in the bottom 10% than slagging them off. It's, sorry, I don't think you understand the point. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think you're explaining the point very well. Try again. I think it's totally unfair to tell an 11-year-old that they're not secondary ready, which is the terminology, apparently, that is likely to be used. I've just been looking at the report on it. I think it's totally unfair to condemn perhaps a not very bright 11-year-old to that kind of criticism that could just affect them for the rest of their lives. I do remember people who failed the 11 plus and it affected them very badly. And I just think that is not the way a mature, responsible, caring society should treat people in that society. What do you think we should do? Wrap them in cotton and wool and pretend and, and, and no. pretend they're as equal and no. as good as everyone else no. academically? No. And what do you suggest, Christine? Not. I don't think we actually should be condemning them don't, like th- that. Then what's your alternative then? We just keep on educating. And just them. tell everyone, hey, you're as good as ever. No, you're as clever no. as the person next Please to you. Don't get fatter for being weighed more often. Oh, Christine, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Well, you're not very bright, then, are you? But I, what's? I, explain your analogy about fat people. No, I said pigs don't get fatter for right. being weighed more often. Right. A so what's? I, again, I, I still don't. Every week to make them better products. We shouldn't be testing and ranking children frequently to try and make them better. Do you work with we children, just... Christine? I worked with children for 35 years. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And were you this rude to the children, or, or you, just, you just keep that for people no, you disagree in with? in fact, um, on one of my last offset, I was graded as an excellent teacher. Wow, fantastic. That's great news. I would suggest you're not the best guest, but thank you, Christine, for joining us. I always cause, and it cause controversy, don't I? Well, you're always rude. Oh, come on. That's not rude. Okay, thanks very much. Okie dokie. Ken is in Luton. Morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. Ken, before I come to you... Yes. Justin Dealey. Hello, Ian. Yeah, I, I've just... Uh, sorry, it's just been typed on my screen that you are uh, at a local nearby Greasy Spoon. Is that correct? I will be in the next ten minutes, yes. I would love a scrambled egg roll <coughs> on yep. granary mm-hmm. with ketchup. Yep. And for my colleagues, a fried egg toasted sandwich with uh, a bit of tomato, tomato ketchup. Right, right. And um, producer Tara is okay. You see, you're like a dog, aren't you? Sorry? You see, yesterday, I-, I was kind enough to bring you what back a nice me? egg sandwich. Ken, uh, Ken, can't we just... Sorry, Ken. breakfast. What, what would you like, Ken? I'll have double egg, sausage and chips. Chips for breakfast. Oh, yeah, Ken is a man yeah. after. I've not had chips for breakfast for years. <laughs> Loads of Oh, do you, Ken? Are you a fan of the hash brown? Not really. Oh, no. I, tell you, I like I like the hash brown, and I tell you what, you don't get very often. What's that? Nice bit of bubble. <laughs> oh, bubble and squeeze. Oh, I love oh, a bit of bubble. Hey. You don't get bubble very often. You have to go into places. You got any bubble? No, no, no bubble today, no, mate. No, they don't know how to make it now. So, oh, Justin, roly poly. Oh, oh, Ken, I'm coming round for yours for a fry up. Then it's dodgy pudding. It took me all my time to get the wife to go out and buy some. Oh, I know. <laughs> Women these days, they've got no respect for the stodgy pudding, have they? No, no. So, Justin, can you sort all that out? Yes, I can arrange that. Good lad. We'll come to you. What are you talking about in the next few minutes? Uh, petrol, boss. Lovely. OK, well, you, we'll, we'll come to you in a second. Thank you very much. Ken. What? Now that... Sorry? Now... Yes. Yeah. OK. Now that breakfast, the breakfast orders are in, yes. which, which is nice, I believe you've called in about something apart from... Breakfast. Yes. Yeah, go on. Now, policemen. Oh! Nurses. Yes. And doctors. Yeah. 
Now, if you watch Prime Minister Prime Minister's Question Time, yes, you'll find out where they all are. They're all on the front line. Huh? There's four thousand extra police, yeah. nurses, and doctors, huh? but they're all on the front line because there's none there my way. So we'll have to move there, Ian. Where now? Where exactly is this front line, this is Ken? What I'm trying to find out, right. Ian. Yeah, yeah. They've kept that I secret. Can't, I can't, you know. I'll move there straight away if, yeah. you know. It sounds like a very safe, healthy place to be. Yeah, they can't have no crime there. Ken, have you ever seen uh, the movie Grease? Well, I've watched clips of it, why? <laughs> it's not, don't worry, I'm not asking if you've committed a crime. Justin Dealey has never seen Grease. Well, he's not alone, really. We, we're going to be watching it at ten past nine this morning, Ken. If you're, you're in Luton, if you can pop round if you want and watch it through the window. We won't let you into the building. Oh, Security. No, I'm too busy watching out. I'm on neighbourhood watch. Oh, of course you are. You're watching from your bed, aren't you? Yes, I yeah. am. Okay, so you'll, you'll be watching. The... Have you ever heard "Stairway to Heaven" by the rock group Led Zeppelin? Yes. Okay. Have you ever seen an episode of Friends? No. Ah, we've got one. Mm, got him. No. I've only ever seen one episode of Friends, and I watched. I watched it twice. Okay, I saw this episode where they go um, to an ice hockey game, and then a few years later, I was ill in India watching the Star Channel where they were showing Friends. I thought, oh, I might as well watch the second episode of Friends I've ever seen. Oh. And I watched it, and I went. Hang on a minute, Ross is going to get hit in the face with an ice hockey puck. Mm. And he did, it was the, can you believe it was the same episode, Kenjamin? Well, there you are, it goes around. And Comes around. Everything. It goes around, exactly. Ian. Yes, Ken. You were talking about the old songs that they rung, they, they uh, used to sing about getting hung and all that. Be with you in a second, Justin. Yeah, yes. No yes, I did. The, the, the Green Green Grass of Home by Tom Jones about getting yeah. hung. Lonnie Donegan. Yep. Hang your head down, oh, hang your head down, what? Tom Dooley. Remember? Oh, go and sing it to us a bit. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Then I went about as much as I know. Oh, here. bless his sister. But, you, you know the gist of it. Yeah, I got this. Is is that the same song as as the one where he sings about? Um, does your chewing gum lose its flavour on the bedpost overnight? Oh yes, yes. That, that. Now that is a song. You wouldn't get Justin Bieber singing about chewing gum unless he was being paid ten million dollars. Oh well, that's it. That's it. We used to live in the old days. You well, were talking about that. Sounds park. like you still do. Yes. Can you remember? Be with you in a second, Justin. We used, <laughs> we used to go down to the fair at Wardam Park. I don't remember. Because I never used to come with you, but no, go on. No, but when we used to walk through People's Park and Pope's Meadow when the gross grass was about two foot high. Oh, oh my I God. love grass. Hey, you see the old heads going up and down there, boy. You know, you think it's a new thing. K- Kinderman, I can't believe what you've just said, suggested. Yeah. <laughs> what a naughty boy. No, they're doing their exercises. Oh, thank you very much indeed. I wonder where he's from. Just for a second, my heart sank. <laughs> Justin! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> How do I follow that? I, 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 well, you have to, sir. You have to. Listen, we're talking about petrol this morning. There is uh, strong suggestions that petrol could go up by as much as four or indeed five pence a litre. And on average, both petrol and diesel prices have already increased by one pence a litre in the last month. Justin, you've been looking at this for us, haven't you? Yes, I'm on uh, Farley Hill in Luton. I'm outside the BP garage for unleaded fuel. Uh, how much do you reckon, then, Ian? 
Um, um, for for unleaded, I don't know. Yep. I know that the, the for, um, oh no, it's one one thirty six point nine. It's one thirty seven point nine. They've yeah. put it. They've put it up this morning. Then they have put it up this morning. And uh, in terms of diesel, we're looking at one forty one point nine as we currently stand before any increases. Uh, so clearly very expensive. Um, you've been getting reaction this morning. I've been getting reaction here, asking people how any sort of increase, uh, how that would affect their lives, and this is what people had to say. Quite dramatically, uh, again, it just keeps going up and up and up. But, you know, my wife was ill a couple of years ago. She needs the car to get about. Uh, it's not something we've got a choice of giving up. So, so that car's absolutely essential to you, it really? It is to us, yeah. Yeah, yeah just my wife's sort of movement and freedom. Will it change the way that you drive? Uh, yeah, we're just going to have to uh, you know, make sure when we do go, it's essential sort of travel, really. You know, not just popping here and everywhere, but make it essential vis- visits that we need to do. From a work perspective, it'll have a huge effect, um, mainly because as a home care provider, my carers have to obviously put fuel in their car. It's going to affect it really bad. I take my mum and dad shopping every week. I won't be able to afford to do that. It is very expensive, isn't it, Justin? Very expensive. And, of course, it's, it's so essential for people. You know, people can complain if, if the price of alcohol goes up, but clearly that's not essential for you to go down the pub and, and have a pint of lager. People need their vehicles. That lady there says that the, the relationship with her parents won't be as strong now uh, and that's purely based on the price of fuel. Now what I would say as well Ian that a number of people this morning are coming up to me and they're saying to me why on earth haven't you listened to Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin? We'll come back to that in a moment but uh, here's some more views from people about the price of fuel. Take a listen to this. Ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. You're so funny. This is the bit I've heard. I know this bit. <laughs> yeah. I know that bit. And she's buying a stairway to... That's all I've heard. That's all I'm ever going... Oh, so, oh, I didn't know that was coming, Justin. Oh, there's a second clip of 48 seconds in my computer. Oh, I wonder if it's going to be another Vox, because we often yeah. split the Voxes into two, yeah. or whether he's going to sneak in Stairway to Heaven oh, like an idiot. Uh, hang on a minute. T- Tim's in Luton. Tim, what, what do you want? Good morning. Good morning, Tim. I'm um, Stairway to Heaven. Yes. Rolf Harris version. Oh, Rolf did it, didn't he? Yeah, you must listen to that. It's infinitely better. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not going to listen to any version of Stairway to Heaven. Oh, you poor chap. <laughs> well, listen, I don't mind callers when they're rude, but they're polite while they're doing it. Wasn't he a gentleman? He's oh. got a point. Everyone's got a point. I don't know why, and you still haven't given me a definitive answer as to oh, why you ju- listen to Stairway oh, to Heaven. Justin, we're, we're losing the signal, Justin. Oh, he's gone. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll do the outro. You, you can do the outro. Um, that's it. You've got to do more than that. You've got to tell them what they've been listening to, how they can uh, help us by leaving nice comments on iTunes and subscribe, and when they can listen Mondays to Fridays, 6 till 9, live, or listen to full shows on BBC iPlayer. OK. You've been listening to... I've e- just done it. Oh. Is that my big moment gone again? Thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio, your local radio station for beds, hearts and bucks, on FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. 